Brother CJ, pastoral intern, is coming up this morning for his last message with us. He'll be graduating soon, yes? Hopefully. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're supposed to go. Let's try this again. You'll be graduating soon, yes? Lord willing. No, no. <laughs> How can I argue with that answer? Yeah. That's a good biblical answer. God bless you, brother, as you open the word for us this morning. All right. Well, I appreciate you all letting me come here and uh, speak one more time. I've really enjoyed uh, these opportunities to be able to come and share God's word with you these past, I think, four times now. And it's been a real blessing to me, and I hope in some way it's been a blessing to you all too. And I do want to go ahead and apologize for not being able to be here with you all last week to celebrate Easter and our Lord's resurrection. My wife and I were off visiting some family and celebrating the Lord's resurrection with them. But I do hope that um, even in our absence, not like we mean anything, but that you were able to um, worship God well and to be able to thank Him and focus on uh, what He's done for us and the gift that He was given us through His resurrection. And I really hope that uh, that stood out to you all last week. And on that note, um, you know, I always love whenever we come to big events like that, Easter, Christmas, and such, where you pretty much know where you're going to be at in the Bible that week. But I've always loved and always enjoyed the time after that, looking into the passages that come just right after those events. You know, we had the Lord's resurrection, we had everything that happened there, but what happened after that? And that's what we're going to be looking into this morning, is what happened after the resurrection with Jesus. And so we will be looking in John chapter 21 this morning. And while you all are turning there, I'm going to go ahead and offer this time up to the Lord. Dear God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity that we have to be in your house this morning and to look into your word. Father, I pray that as we do that this morning, I pray that you would give me clarity of speech, Lord, and that nothing I would say would get in the way of your message, Lord. I pray that you would speak through me now and that um, the word would become clear and that it would uh, be received by everyone here this morning. We love you, and we thank you so much for this opportunity to be in your house. Amen. So we'll start here in John chapter 21, and we're going to start here in verse 1. After these things, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way, Simon Peter, Thomas, who was called Demaeus, Nathaniel of Canaan in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, We also will come with you. They went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Now, the one, one of the things I love about this time of year with the weather warming up and uh, with these opportunities to be outside more often and not freeze um, is the opportunity to go fishing. Do we have any other fishermen in here, fisher ladies? <laughs> yeah, I love fishing. It's always been a it's always been a fun time for me, and a lot of fun for my family and I to spend together that way. Um, but I, I'm one of those people. I don't know about you. I'm not. I'm one of those people. I couldn't do what Peter is doing here. You know, I couldn't just sit there in a boat, cast my old Zebco out, and reel back in and catch nothing all day. I'd get bored in like 30 minutes and pack up and leave. I know most people just enjoy being out in the peace and quiet and just being able to enjoy God's creation. I'm not one of those people. I'm not one of those persons. <laughs> and part of that is because um, in my teenage years, we did a lot of deep sea fishing. And so I got spoiled. 
I got spoiled out on the boat going out there and catching these monstrous fish, getting them on the line and reeling them in, taking an hour and a half to reel in one fish. That that spoiled me, and so catching bass and just standing out there on the banks by the lake that doesn't that doesn't do it for me anymore. So um, I couldn't do what Peter's here doing this morning. But that's kind of that's what's happening with them. He's just been out there all night. Him and his friends they've caught nothing all night long, and so um, that gives us a little bit of framework of what we'll be talking about here um, in the rest of this message. Looking back at verse 4, But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, Children, you do not have any fish to eat, do you? And they said to him, No. And he answered and said to them, Cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you will find the fish. So they cast it, and then they, they were not able to haul it in because of the great quantity of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. So when, Jesus, so when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. But the other, other disciples came in on the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits away, dragging the net full of fish. So when they had gotten out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already made, and fish placed on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have now caught. So Simon Peter went up and hauled the net to land, full of large fish, 153 in all. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. There's a, there's a couple things already we'll look here this morning. And the first one is Peter's sheer excitement to see Jesus. They were out fishing, and um, as we'll see later on in this um, passage, we don't know exactly how much time has passed between this event and the, and the time of the resurrection. Um, but we do know that the Bible does say that um, Jesus has appeared to them multiple times through, between now and what happened then. And so, um, but, they, but when he had appeared to them, he did not appear to them in a way that they would have easily recognized him as they would have spending his whole time with them uh, previously. And so when Peter finally did realize it was Jesus because of what just happened, because of the sign that he just showed them, the excitement, he was just so overcome with excitement that he couldn't wait for the boat to get down. He dove over the side of the boat that he was in, swam to shore, and went to go see Jesus. Um, and then we see here also that when they had already uh, brought, in the, brought in the nets, there was 153 fish in total and that they could not haul it in all the way because of how many were there. Have any of you seen the um, old movie Finding Nemo, the original one? Do you remember that scene at the very toward the end of that movie where Marlon and Dory had just found Nemo, and then they're all swimming around with these huge fish, and they think everything's fine and swell, and then all of a sudden this net comes out from and under and catches all these, all these huge fish in this one big net, and then Marlon and Dory are uh, standing there and um, caught in the net. Nemo gets out and is like, we just going to need to keep swimming down. Y'all need to get out and just keep going and swimming down. That's kind of the picture I get here, just these massive load of fish. And it's so heavy and it's so, it's so compact with fish that these fishermen can't even reel it in. Just like in that movie with the anchor trying to, with the uh, crane trying to reel in that net, it broke in the end because of the huge amount of quantity of fish that they had there. That's just the kind of the mental image that I get with this. So let's keep let's keep reading here just these next 
couple of verses. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to inquire him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and the fish likewise. This was now the third time Jesus had revealed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to them, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Tend to my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Shepherd my sheep. Then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because he had said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to them, and he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Then tend to my sheep. These few verses here, they have so much in them that it could take a whole lot more time than what we have to just unpack these three verses right here alone. But we are going to go ahead and just look at a little bit of what is happening here between the exchange of Peter and Jesus. Um, Why did Jesus take the time to ask Peter three times if he had loved me? There's a couple different answers to that. The first one is because it's a little bit of a parallel to what had just happened a couple chapters earlier when Peter had denied Jesus before the crucifixion. It's a little, it's a little uh, callback to that, if you will. Peter had denied Jesus three times when asked before Jesus' resurrection if he knew who Jesus was. Peter said no. When he was asked again, he said no. And a third time, he said no. And so Jesus is, uh, this is I don't, the author just kind of gives us a little callback to that here. Now, the second thing that um, is happening with this is Jesus is making an emphasis, an emphasis on whether or not Peter loves him. And I think that's just showing a little bit of just how much our love for God really matters and how much it mattered to Jesus. He's, do you love me? Well, yes, Lord. Are you sure? Yes, Lord. You're positive. Yes, Lord. That's kind of the... Uh, idea here is Jesus wanting to emphasize this, that you can say all you want, but do you really, truly love me? And the last thing here, and the thing we're going to talk about the most is um, the different terms here that are being used. You see, when Jesus is asking Peter if he loves him, he's using a word in its original language in the Greek, um, agape, and we've talked a little bit about this a couple times this year already, the idea of agape love. It's this love that is nearly incomprehensible. It's this love that God has for us and for his church and for the rest of creation. It's this love that um, is, the, is the kind of love that God has for everything. And it's this love that we are often to strive to but end up falling short of often. And it's this unlimited, unrelenting love that nothing could ever squander, that nothing could ever get rid of. It is just an absolute true love. Um, and that's what, that's what Jesus is asking Peter. Do you love me in that way? Do you love me as much as I love you, as much as my Father loves you? Do you love me in that way? And it's interesting here looking at this because in Peter's responses to the Lord, when he says, yes, Lord, I love you, 
It's not that same word. It's not that word agape that Jesus is using for him. It's actually a different Greek word, which means which is phileo. And that Greek word phileo is more the idea that we have of like a brotherly love or kind of like a friendship idea. Um, so it's the it's that kind of love where I could say I love Pastor Chris. I don't love him the same way that I do my wife, my son. It's a different kind of relationship. It's a different kind of love. It's that brotherly love. It's that phileo love. And um, that's, that's what Peter is saying here in response. He's not saying no. He's not saying no, I don't love you. He's just using a different term to describe the love. It's more of a friendship and camaraderie kind of love. And Jesus' response, Jesus' response to him every single time that he, Peter says, I love you, is always what strikes me. He's, he says, if you truly love me, then you will tend to my sheep. Then you will take care of my, of my people. You know, that's the thing about love, and I'm going to use a little illustration here. Um, I've, I've only been married for close to about two years now, and so um, I've learned a lot about marriage, and I've learned a lot about love in those short two years. I don't know everything yet. I'm getting there. But um, hopefully by the time I'm Matthew's age, I'll have something down. Um, but but um, I have learned something that um, that is very true, that I can say and Men and women, men and women, husbands, wives, in here, you can probably relate to this. I can tell my wife over and over and over again, "Baby, I love you. I love you so much." I can say that as many times as I want to. But if I have not been pouring into our relationship, if there's a huge stack of dishes in the sink and I'm just sitting there watching basketball, if I haven't taken her out on a date in a couple months, if I haven't taken care of uh, the things that she needs me to do. Do I really love her? And if so, what are the what does it mean? What is that weight packed in behind that? And so Jesus is asking Peter here. He's saying, "Do you love me?" Yeah. Okay. Well, then put some action to it. Put some weight behind that statement. And that's kind of like the same thing that I've learned with marriage is that I can tell my wife I love her, but if I'm not showing her, if I'm not taking those steps of love, then what's it matter? What those words are meaningless. And so. Um, so that's what Jesus is asking Peter here to do. He's saying, you know, put some weight behind those actions. If you really love me, then you'll do what I've commanded you to do all along. You'll take care of my people. You'll do what I've asked you to do. You'll minister to my people. You'll feed them. You'll take care of them. And so that's what Jesus is asking him to do. He's saying, if you really, truly love me, then put some action to it. Put some weight behind it. And those, that's just a little bit of the um, exchange that's going on between Jesus and Peter here. Now let's keep reading um, in, the, in John 21 here. Ver, picking up in verse 18. Truly, truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to put on your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will put, on your, will put your belt on you and bring you where you do not want to go. Now, when he said this, indicating what kind of death he would glorify God with, and when he had said this, he said to him, follow me. Now, what's happening in these verses, it's a little bit confusing, but I'll go ahead and do my best to explain what's happening here. 
Jesus is pretty much telling Peter, he's foreshadowing Peter's death to him that's going to happen down the line. And to those of you who might already know, Peter died years down the line by the means of crucifixion, just as Jesus had just done. And what I think is super interesting and very much impactful in this uh, chapter here is that just a few chapters before, we see Peter deny Jesus three times for what reason? To avoid crucifixion. Because he, because if he would have confirmed to the people who were asking him, hey, do you know Jesus? That would have been the end of him right there. He'd have been tied up, beaten, and put on the cross right next to Jesus. And so I think it's super, it's not funny, but it's kind of ironic how Jesus, uh, how Peter had just denied Jesus three times in order to avoid crucifixion, and now Jesus is coming back to him down the line and is saying, hey, guess what? You're about to be crucified with me. You're about to be crucified for me. And I just think that's kind of funny. And uh, here at the end of these verses we just read, uh, Jesus respond, after he had said that, Jesus responds with, follow me. Now, those that term follow me, if you look at it, um, if you kind of dissect the sentence a little bit, that's actually Jesus making a statement. It's him making a command. And it's not the kind of command where he's just like, okay, come with me, we're going to go on a walk now. Um, he's just saying that even though this is about to happen to you, even though I'm telling you, hey, you're about to die a very horrific and very terrible death for me, follow me. And the other thing about these two words here, follow me, is that they are not a future tense words, they are present tense. He's saying, you know this now, you know what's going to happen. Are you still going to be faithful to me? Are you still going to follow me now until that time happens? And even then, are you going to be faithful to me then? And so it's that present, it's that present tense idea of you know what's happening, you know what's about to come, so follow me. Don't lose heart, don't lose faith, don't, don't be so enamored by this idea of your own death that you're no longer willing to follow me. And that must have been very hard for Peter to hear. That just must have been uh, a challenging thing for him because clearly he held so much value to his life that he was willing to deny his own Lord and Savior And so that must have been pretty hard for him to hear, but the Lord gives him comfort and says, follow me, stay faithful, keep your mind on track. And and so we'll look here, continuing in verse 20, and see Peter's response. Peter turned around and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had also had leaned back on his chest at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrayed you? So Peter, upon seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? Follow me. Therefore this account went out among the brothers, that the disciples would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but only, If I want him to remain until I come, what is it to you? Now again, there's a lot right here to unpack. Um, when they're walking, when the, Peter and Jesus are having this bit of a private conversation about Peter's eventual death, John comes up and, is, and says, um, 
John comes up and starts asking questions, but when Peter says that, he's, his response to what Jesus had just commanded him to do, to follow me up until your death through crucifixion, um, Peter comes up and says, well, what about him? What about him? What's he supposed to do? Am I, am I to die and he's to remain? And Jesus' response here is very poignant, very sudden, and very, um, very strong. He says to him, I'll do, he says to him, I'll do with him whatever I want to do. That doesn't matter to you. I've asked you to follow me. I've asked you to be willing to put your life down for me, and I've asked you to shepherd my sheep. All throughout the Bible and all throughout Jesus' time on earth, we see many examples of Jesus talking to people this way very personally. You know, our God is a very personal God. Whenever he gives commands, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, they're directed at us as individuals, not us as a collective group, but individuals. And that just continues to reign here, to reign true here uh, when Jesus is talking to Peter. He says to him, it doesn't matter what I have in store for John. It doesn't, that doesn't matter to you. I'm telling you to do this. Don't be concerned with what I have for others. And, you know, I think so often that we tend to do the same thing that Peter's doing here in this instance. You know, whenever maybe God tugs on your shoulder and says, hey, why don't you go out and help with the children's ministry? Why don't you go out and talk to that person at the, at the restaurant about me? Or why don't you go and, I don't know, give money to the missions fund or something? We so often, and I fall into this trap too of saying, well, you know, that's fine, that's all well and good, but why should I do it? Why should I be the one to do it when you have all these other people who are, one, much more qualified to do these kind of things, or two, they have more money to give to the missions fund than I do, so why should I do it? And God's response to us would be the exact same thing as it would be as it is to what he's giving to Peter here. It's, you know, I don't, I'm not asking you to be concerned about others. I'm not asking you to be concerned about others in your church or others in your life. I'm asking you to do this. I'm, I'm giving you specific and direct instructions on what I want you to do. And so with that, I think that um, we must remember all the time just how personal God is and how we shouldn't let our, what our thoughts are and what our opinions are on what God has told us to do or what other people may or may not be doing affect our decisions. It doesn't matter what God has told to us. It doesn't matter what God has told others to do. You know, if God asks me to give money to the missions fund, it doesn't matter. I shouldn't look across the aisle and say, well, what about him? He has a better job than I do. Why should I do it? it does, that's not what God wants me to say. That's not what matters. He wants me to be faithful to him and be faithful to his command. And yet so often, myself included, we fall into this trap so easily of just pushing off that responsibility and pushing off that to other people. And so don't let yourself be so easily... Um, distract that. And also, back in verse 22, Jesus said to him, if I want them to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And that there's that term, follow me again. And that, again, is a present tense term, just meaning I'll do with them what I want to be done with them. I'm asking you, follow me now. And that's just a very bold and very poignant statement by our Lord that he's giving to Peter here. 
Let's, let's continue looking um, in these final few verses here. I love that previous exchange, but let's go ahead and look at these last two verses. This is the disciple who is testifying about these things and wrote these things. And we know that this testimony is true. But there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if I were written in, which if it were written in detail, I expect that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. I love that final line. This is the last verse in the book of John. I love this final way that um, he decided to end this. He's saying, you know, here's this account of uh, the disciples fishing. Here's this account with them being with Jesus. And here's everything I've mentioned beforehand. We have so much that God has given us through his word. We have so much that he's offered to us. But I always wonder what more is there. I don't need any more. We have enough. We have the Word of God, and that's all that the Lord's decided to give us, and that's fine. And, you know, I do wonder if one day in heaven God will have a another book somewhere, or maybe, hopefully for me, since I don't like reading, maybe a old movie player or something, of just some of just some accounts of some of the other things that Jesus did on His time here on earth. I really hope that uh, we get to see some of that. I know that that'll be that'll hopefully be one of the things that I do when I get to heaven is go up and ask, you know, what else was there? Tell me some more about yourself. And I just love this because it shows, it reminds me just how glorious and how wonderful that our God truly is. It reminds me of just that even though we see all these incredibly miraculous things and incredibly loving things that he did for us on his time here on earth, there's still so much we don't know about him. And it just make it just makes me wonder personally it just makes me want to know more and it makes me want to glorify him more and give him glory for the things that he's done and the things that he's done that I don't even know of yet and so it's that it's that kind of reminder that John gives us here at the end of his book that I think is so very important and so let's uh let's wrap up the text here this morning and look at the points of application that we can take away from this text. Jesus had said earlier, if you loved, if you love me, then Jesus had told the disciples, then do as I command and follow me. And that's just as true as it, to them as it is to us. You know, Jesus tells us that I love you. He, he tells me, he tells us all the time. And he's saying, if you love me, and we often confess that we do, then put some weight to it, put some action to it. And that's the encouragement that we need to take also, is we can say that we love Jesus, but ask yourself, what does that look like? What have I done uh, to show God that I truly love him? What have, I done, uh, what have I done to put weight behind that statement? Not that, not, that in that sense, not that in that case that by doing nothing we're saying we don't love God, but it's just saying what's the value behind our statements there? What's the value behind me saying, yeah, I love God, what's the last thing I've done for him? And so remember that as you continue to live out your life is, man, I love God, but what weight am I putting behind that? What value is there? And the second thing is, will you commit yourself to following Jesus? Twice in here, Jesus commanded Peter to follow me in the present, to follow me till the end. And I think that's very a very important statement, and I think it's a statement that we need to take to heart also, 
is that Jesus has called us to do many different things. And he says, no matter what that would look like for each of us as individuals, follow me. That's a very direct statement. He's telling each of us that individually, follow me. And so that's what I would like for us to leave with this morning as a reminder to love Jesus and add as much to that as we can and to continue to follow him until the end of our days, just like he commanded Peter to do. Let's go ahead and pray as we close out the morning. Dear God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity we've had to look into your word. I thank you for this, cha- I thank you for this wonderful passage, Lord. God, there is so much there. There's so much beauty behind this story. And I just pray that as we leave and as we continue to reflect on your words here this morning, that we would remember just how loving and faithful you are, Lord, that you would die for us on the cross. But Lord, that wasn't the end of your story. You rose, you, you rose up from the grave, and you continue to walk with us every day since then. And Father, I just pray that as we continue to live our lives here on earth, as we continue to go about the, <clears throat> our lives of serving you, I pray that we would be in constant reminder that we are to love you and that we are to follow you in all things. And Father, I just pray that as we go here that we would remember that individually and that we would continue to honor and glorify you with everything that we do. We love you, Father, and we always will. Amen.